Welcome, everybody, to the Padres Mission Podcast. My name is Fernando Mendez. I am half of your host of the Padres Mission Podcast. I'm joined here by your other host, Andrew Ciccarelli. My friend, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Having a good night tonight. Ready to talk about the Padres. As always, right? One of the always. highlights of the week. Definitely. Got to get those highlights out. <laughs> or lowlights kind of depends on what the topic is but today we have a pretty good one so. pretty good one for the Padres not so good for Major League Baseball yes yes I mean right now the Houston Astros and I mean sue to be the Boston Red Sox are the talk of the town I mean everybody is talking all about both of those teams so no matter where you are you're probably going to hear something about the Astros or the Red Sox including here on this podcast, but we will get to all that momentarily. Before we get started with today's show, I want to go ahead and remind you guys that uh, we are currently looking for sponsors. If you guys are interested in sponsoring our show, Padres Mission Podcast at gmail.com. Also, that's a great email if you want to give us some constructive criticism. How can we make this show better for you, the listener? Padres Mission Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what we're doing wrong. Let us know what we're doing right. We are always uh, welcome to any kind of feedback that you guys can provide us. Um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else we need to do before we get into it? I uh, I, I don't believe so. Uh, you are listening to the Padres Mission Podcast. Why do we call it the Padres Mission Podcast? Well, the home of any Padre is a mission. And this right here is your mission for San Diego Padres news opinions and hot takes and boy oh boy do andrew and i have some hot takes for you guys today so our topics on the table andrew do you want to go ahead and give it to them yeah so the topics that we're going to talk about first off is the mlb cheating scandal which is going to be between the astros and and the red sox and then we're going to get into a comparison of the 1984 padres versus the 1998 Padres, both the World Series winning uh, teams for the Padres, only two in team history. Wow, those are going to be some interesting topics, to say the least. I mean, like I said earlier, the Astros and the Red Sox are the absolute talk of the town. We still, well, keep in mind this podcast is being recorded on Tuesday the 14th. Uh, so, I mean, I'm going to keep this brief just in case, you know, the disciplinary actions already been dished out for Alex Cora. But uh, we're primarily going to focus on the Astros just because we know as of today's date what is and what has happened to the Astros. So let's go ahead and get started with them. So, uh, Andrew, do you want to go ahead and uh, tell the listeners the disciplinary action that Rob Manfred served towards the Houston Astros? Yeah, so the GM and the manager of the Astros, A.J. Hinch, were both banned from baseball for one year. The Astros also lost their first and second round picks in 2020 and 2021, and they uh, were fined $5 million. Now, along with those bannings, the GM, and it's Leno, right? Is that how you say his name? Uh, Yes. Yeah, and A.J. Hinch. Yeah, I've always read his name. I've never actually heard it said out loud. Uh, they So along with being banned for a year, they were fired by the Astros owner, Jim Crane. And uh, probably the most significant of the punishments besides the bannings was the loss of the first and second round draft picks in 2020 and, 
So uh, for those who don't know, baseball has a um, like a recommended or a slot limit for each pick that you get. So even though the Astros really good and their pick in the draft is going to be the 29th pick in the draft, the way it works is that you only get so much money for each pick and that allots to a total uh, pool of money that you can spend on all your draft picks. So for the Astros to lose their first and second round pick is basically just neutering their entire ability to draft for the next two years. So they're going to have a massive gap in their farm system going forward. Now, um, a couple of things that I, I want to add that maybe the, some of the listeners might not know. Uh, obviously, it, it's not as important now because uh, the owner has fired uh, both AJ Hinch and the general manager, but uh, they were going to be suspended without pay, just in case anybody was wondering. Uh, obviously, like I said, it doesn't matter now because you know they don't have jobs at the current moment. Um, speaking of that, do you think that either of them will ever work in baseball again? Yeah, yeah, I think I think both of them will will end up working again only because the the report that Manfred released, which was a, a nine-page report detailing the entire scandal, showed that both the general manager and AJ Hinch, when they were informed about the the whole practice of uh, of stealing signs, was that they both were against it. And what happened was they ended up just looking another way and letting it go on without enforcing any disciplinary. So I, I think what it's going to be is that. It'll be a couple of years, and then you know some teams that are you know wanting to be competitive will pick them up and bring them back into the organization. I think AJ Hinch <clears throat> has a better chance than uh, Jeff Lenau. Yeah, you think? I'm, yeah, probably. I mean, I I think, or from an organizational standpoint, the punishment was fitting. You know, I think that the draft picks is going to be crippling. I know what a lot of people are thinking, you know, like, oh, it's only, you know, four draft picks in the span of two years. That's nothing. But in all fairness, the first five rounds of each draft, because there's like, what, 42 rounds? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of rounds in baseball, folks. Uh, But yeah, so typically most organizations want to hit uh between their first five rounds you know per year you know i mean if oh yeah the first five picks you get one major leaguer out of those oh my gosh that's amazing i mean even if you get one major leaguer a year out of your draft class i mean that's a pretty big deal for most teams no so yeah exactly so i mean to be out four picks in the span of two years i mean that's going to cripple this franchise, maybe not right away, but I'd say probably 2022, 2023, they start to feel that. Oh, yeah, totally. And, like, it, it goes way beyond just losing those first two picks. So, like, a lot of the ways that teams can, re, you know, get more value in the draft is let's say you have, like, a $3 million allotment for your 29th pick in the draft. So, you could only there's a cap on how much you could spend. You cannot go over your cap in the draft. So with that three million dollars, you can sign someone for two million dollars, and then you can go and take someone in like the tenth round out of high school that might have a commitment to Stanford, and you can offer them eight hundred thousand dollars to go away from their commitment and come play for your organization. 
that that's gone. They're not going to be able to take any high upside guys in the lower draft because they just won't have the money available to sign anyone. Yeah, so I mean, this really is going to be a big deal for the Houston Astros. Now, just for a reference point, for anybody who still is thinking in their head, like, no, this isn't going to do anything to hurt them in a couple years. Okay, you guys know that my other favorite team is the Angels. Uh, Jerry DePoto was the general manager of the Angels prior to Billy Epler. Now, Jerry DePoto was a trade machine. Andrew and I have talked about that off air several times. The guy just loves to trade. So. Oh, yeah. You know, he, you know, made some trades. Uh, he made some free agent signings that cost the Angels some draft picks. I mean, for a span there, uh, I think of prior to Billy Upper coming. So I think it was like two or three years. The Angels had one of the worst farm systems of all time. That was a general consensus in baseball. They didn't have the just the 30th you know, farm system in baseball. It was one of the worst of all time. That's what happens when you miss out on, you know, two first-round picks. Because remember, the Angels signed C.J. Wilson and Albert Pujols in 2012. That cost them some top draft picks there. And look what that did to the Angels for years. That same thing is going to happen to the Astros. This is back-to-back years. This is your top two picks. And remember... In a couple years, the Astros have to start making some decisions. They're not going to be able to afford everybody's contract. The band will eventually have to break up, whether they wanted to or not. And, I mean, you can make the argument that that's already started to happen. You lost your best pitcher, probably the best pitcher in baseball, right? And, I mean, you also lost, you know, a good supporting uh, rotation piece in Wade Miley. Yeah, and then after this year, right, uh, Springer's going to be a free agent. And they probably won't won't yes. be able to resign him either. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? Yeah, and then, uh, you know, and I, and I wonder, like, if they were to sign a free agent and they were, you know, their record would put them in the point where they would lose their first pick in the draft for uh, compensation. Do that? Does that count towards the next two years, or is that going to be them losing their first pick in, you know, twenty twenty two? I think it goes to your next available pick. So I think they'd end up losing a third round pick. So I wonder if I, that I will make it. Because it's, it's a second or third round pick that you lose. It's not a first round pick anymore. Yeah. And uh, what? Do some teams lose their first round pick? Or did that change? Uh, that's not the, Yeah, that's not anymore. That, that's how it used to be. That makes sense. Yeah. So now you lose either your second or your third round pick. But yeah, I mean, that it's it really will cripple them for years to come. Now, also, another thing that nobody's really talked about, and I mean, maybe I am, you know, naive for believing this, but I think it might be a little harder for them to attract free agents at the moment or free agents in the next couple of years. I mean, think about it. You just lost your best pitcher. You just lost your manager who led you to uh, two World Series. One of them was a victory. You don't have a general manager at the very second. So, I mean, I, are they really going to be able to attract very many free agents this year or next year? Because think about it. I mean, it's going to be a media circus now, whether they want it to or not. And, I mean, think about all the ridicule that these players are going to get. I will be the first to tell you that I am taking a trash can to every Astros game that they have to play in. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, totally. And 
yeah, yeah. Why, why would you want to go and just be the villain somewhere? Like uh, every player that goes to the Astros, they're just going to go to 81 away games and just be called cheaters and every bad name you can be imagined. It's going to, it's going to be a nightmare. I mean, yeah. you know, you brought it. I mean, you said, why would you want to go be the bad guy? I mean, I have one word or two words for you. LeBron James. Remember when he went to Miami? Oh, yeah. He wanted <laughs> to be the bad guy. Yeah, he did. Oh, man. Wasn't he uh, doing like a kid's camp and telling all those kids that same day that he was going to, you know, he's thinking about going back to the, the Cavaliers and then he just holds that press conference on ESPN and it's like, I'm going to South Beach. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I remember being so excited when he won the Miami uh, Heat. I was, but, you know, now that I really uh, gotten to go back and like rewatch that video of uh, the decision, I'm just like, wow, why did I watch, why was this aired on television? <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't believe ESPN fell for that. That was ridiculous. I mean, I can't believe the ratings were so high. I mean, it was crazy. That's why ESPN fell for it. I mean, it's, you know, the marketing genius behind it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I wonder how many millions of people watched that. It was a lot. It was a lot. All right, let's go ahead and uh, switch back before we get too sidetracked. Uh, so, um, what else do we have to talk about about this Houston Astros thing? So, we discussed uh, the impact this is going to have because of their draft picks. We talked about, I mean, the sure impact of free agents not wanting to come there just because, like you said, I mean, you know, you're going to be the villain everywhere. You're going to get booed. You're going to, and I mean, you were, you had nothing to do with it, you know, if you are a free agent, I mean. So, it's just, you know, but you're still going to get the ridicule. Um, now, Let's talk real quick about the players who are there. For instance, guys like just uh, Justin Verland. I don't know why you almost said Justin Bieber. That's embarrassing. So Justin Verland, <laughs> you know, is somebody who I don't know how closely you like monitored his uh, his words over the last couple of years. I mean, he's always like played himself off as some like super high integrity. You know, I'm a friend of the game. You know, I'm a positive role model in the game. Do you think this is going to taint a guy like him, and will he want to get traded? I understand he wasn't a batter, but he's still on a team that cheated. Oh, Justin Verlander's got to be one of the biggest losers in this because he comes out as an absolute joke, like no integrity joke. This is a guy that for years was being extremely vocal about people stealing signs using technology while he was on the Tigers. He was making writing articles about it. He was talking on the news about it. And then he goes to the Astros, and he just shuts up. So talk about being a hypocrite when you're going out in the news and making comments and talking in the public light about a problem. And then when you go to a team where it benefits you, you don't say anything. So for a guy that always valued himself on having integrity, this guy could not come off with a worse look, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I Justin Verlander has just kind of always been a um... – I, I don't. I want to choose my words wisely here. He, he's always. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. I mean, he he's had very hypocritical moments in his lifetime. I mean, he's had like tweets where he like talks about guys with like domestic violence cases. Yet um, they signed or they traded for Azuna a couple years ago. Didn't he have a domestic violence charge? And, oh yeah, I mean, a really brutal one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Verlander just literally turned the opposite way. And when he was confronted about it, he was just like, oh, yeah, I don't know the story. I wasn't there. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like if you're going to, you know, give people hard times because they're involved in a domestic violence case, that's fine. OK, if that's your belief, then that's fine. I mean, most, you know, 
most people in this world are completely against domestic violence. I know they should be. Oh yeah, totally. And yeah, but, I, mean, I mean, you know, if your teammate, new teammate, cause they just traded for you, you know, turns out to be involved in a domestic violence case, you can't turn back on your word. I understand that might be your teammate now and you might need to have a business relationship, but I guarantee you if I'm on, you know, the Padres and the Padres just trade for Joe Schmo, and I've said that, uh, you know, people who are in domestic violence cases, you know, are a joke, and all of a sudden people are like, oh, but you guys just traded for Joe Schmo. How do you feel about that? You know, well, it's one thing to say, oh, I don't like their <clears throat> off-field thing. Go ahead. No, yeah, yeah I'm 100% in agree with, with you. All Verlander had to come out and say was, look, what Ozuna did was a very bad thing, but my team, team traded for him, and now I have to be teammates with him, so I'm just going to have a business relationship with him, strictly business. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you you that you hit the uh, nail on the hammer, the hammer on the nail there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I yeah. guess you could use a nail to hit a hammer. It'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, right. It might take a while to do anything with it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, do you think that maybe anybody in the organization requests a trade or wants out now? Do you think we're maybe going to see a domino effect? You know, I, I don't know. I, I would hope so. And I, I would hope that some of these guys would come out and say that they were against it and like try to like scrape together some type of morality that isn't showing on any of those guys on the team, uh, considering that all the comments that have been coming out, because this all started with Mike Fires, right? He came out and said that the Astros were stealing signs. Yes, it did. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the tweet, I believe it was. Yeah, and... When you go over the comments like Correa and different players on the team, they're all basically saying, hey, you're on this team. You're basically a snitch. And then some, you know, in, in Correa's case, he was saying, I guess it's a free country. You can say whatever you want, but choose. I mean, come on. Yeah, I get it. But you're you were cheating and you're cheating way beyond what other teams were doing. And to come out and basically say, hey, you were part of our team. You shouldn't have said anything. It's like, what, what is this? This isn't, a, this isn't a gang. This is a sport where integrity is supposed to ring true. You have millions of kids that look up to you as, a, as an idol. Like part of your job as being a sports player isn't to just win. It's also to absolutely. represent integrity. No, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, especially, you know, baseball. Because, I mean, baseball is such an <clears throat> old school sport. You know, and that's certainly not a bad thing. That's what I love about the game. I love how old school it is. And, you know, I, I love that there is, you know, some unwritten rules and there's definitely like a code. I, you know, I, I like that. I like that. Now, um, one of the things that um, I want to ask you is, do you find it a little odd that Major League Baseball didn't come after any of these players at all? Yeah, I find it extremely odd. And honestly, I think it was a huge misstep by Major League Baseball. And did you? I don't know if you read up on it. Did you read up on the uh, the voice call, the the conference call that Major League Baseball had with all the owners? Uh, I, I wait. Was this the one uh, when the Red Sox got caught cheating? No, this is the one when they okay, right after they gave, right after they gave out the announcement of the punishments for the Astros. There was a, a conference call between all the owners and uh, Manfred, and basically what was said and what the owners are privately saying to the press was that if because all the owners were, you know, as little note here, all the owners were extremely displeased with the punishments that were given out. They thought they should have been harsher. There should have been more players suspended. Uh, there should have been some lifetime bans thrown around. 
And Manfred basically came out and said, if any of you give a public opinion, your punishment's going to be as bad, if not worse, than what the Astros just got. So he basically just strong-armed them into accepting this punishment. And I, I think a lot of the fans are in the same agreement with the owners. This is the 2017 World Series that the Astros were cheating in. They basically stole the World Series from the Dodgers. When you look at like previous World Series being thrown or stolen, like the Black Sox, you had people that were banned for life. You had the government come in and just shut it down. For these guys to just get off with basically a wrist slap, I mean, being banned for a year without pay, with the ability to come back into the league, that's a joke. No players being banned. They were the ones that were out there cheating in the World Series. Absolutely. I mean, this tarnishes a lot of reputations on that team, right? I mean, as far as players, I mean, you know, you can't look at Altuve the same way because Altuve was one of those, like, nitty-gritty guys who, you know, kind of like David Eckstein, you know what I mean? He he yeah. did it, you know, Mark Loretta, yeah. what, like some smaller guys, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And now you just look at him and you're like, dude, you're, you're a joke. You're a cheater. And all, and when they came out with, you know, this playoffs, when the Yankees were accusing the Astros of cheating using a whistle system, and you had A.J. Hinch come out and basically make fun of the Yankees, saying they're, you know. He laughed. He, yeah. He laughed. He laughed through, lying through his teeth. He knew the whole time that the Astros were cheating. And when all the players were asked, they all joked about it. And it's like, gee, oh, my God, you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, heads should have rolled. Okay, now, we kind of got ahead of ourselves, but now I'm going to formally ask. Was the punishment fitting obviously we both kind of think it wasn't so what should have happened let's start with you what what do you think rob manfred should have done to punish the astros if knowing now that the astros stole the 2017 world series and cheated in the world series i think jim crane should have been forced to ban should have been forced to sell the team with no option to ever own again i think the gm should have been banned for life i think Hinch should have been banned for life I think that any player that was found to have utilized the uh, the trash can system should have at least gotten what the, uh, the steroids guys get, an 81-game suspension. Um, and, yeah, and I think that it should have been even harsher. I think maybe something I, along the lines of no draft picks for the next two years at all. Just a complete gutting of the Astros, just to send them, you know, the message that you can't cheat in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Now, you know, everyone keeps talking about you know, Pete Rose, Pete Rose, Pete Rose. I mean, I'm sure, you know, if you're anything like me, you have a lot of friends who are baseball fans and everybody's bringing it up. How come they did that at Pete Rose, but they didn't do that to the Astros? Pete Rose, bet, you know, bet on, on his team to win. He gets banned for life. You know, I think that's a decent point. I mean, Rob Manfred wanted to send a message. And though I do believe the organization will feel the effects, uh, you know, especially in a couple years, I certainly don't think it was enough. No, not, not even I close. I mean, there, there should have been. No, yeah, exactly. There, there should have been much more, especially towards the players. Now, I understand, you know, it might be kind of hard to prove, oh, you know, this person used it, this person used it, oh, this person did it. So I understand maybe why they didn't. But if that's the case, then, I don't know, ban the team. Not the entire team, but, you know, like... No, ban the entire ban. team. No one came out and said anything. They were all complicit. Everyone on that team knew they were cheating. Everyone. How do you yeah, not know? That's, like, that's true. 
Do you think there's one guy that's sitting on the bench like, oh, why is this guy banging up trash can? Like, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe there was. <laughs> Some rookie came up. He's like, wait, what's going on? He's sent back next week. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I'm sure Major League Baseball could have found the evidence. I, I'm sure they did. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not too sure. I mean, the punishment definitely should have been more severe. Um, I do think that this will have an immediate impact on the Astros because they don't have a manager at the moment. I mean, I'm not a big fan of A.J. Hinch, but I mean, I would have, if you would have asked me, you know, before, you know, maybe after the World Series, even like the day after they lost, you know, name the top five managers in baseball. A.J. Hinch would have been on that list. I hate the Astros. Prior to this, I hate the Astros. That might be the Angels fan side of me. But <laughs> yeah, that, that I, might I, be I the Angels side coming up for sure. <laughs> well, no, exactly. I mean, well, and you think about it. I mean, look at a t- the Angels were five uh, games out, I think, of a wild card spot that year. You know, in 2017, they came in second in the division that year. That They could have made the playoffs. Yeah, like that, you know, they could have made we we could have seen Mike Trout in the playoffs again. You know, it's not even about that. You know, as Padres fans, and yes, I am a Padres fan. I promise. Um, we hate the Dodgers, but in all fairness, the Dodgers should have won the World Series. I mean, I don't want the Dodgers to win a World Series as much as the next Padres fan, but in this case. I wish the Dodgers would have won it because at least uh, to our knowledge, the Dodgers did it the right way. The Dodgers have a very talented team and think about how much it sucks to be a Dodger right now. And I don't mean that as an, you know, as an absolute insult, like, well, he's, you know, he's trying to be funny. They lost to two cheating teams. Yeah. Back to back years. I know the, yeah. I never would have thought that at the same time I would feel sorry for the Dodgers and the Yankees. Yeah, absolutely right. The two teams that I was bred to hate. Yeah, exactly. Like, like in what parallel universe is this? It's just a weird. It's beyond the pale. Yankees losing on basically one pitch in 2017 in the best of seven series against the Astros. The Dodgers losing, melting down. You had Kershaw, who in that postseason had a 2.57 ERA outside of Minute Maid Park in an ERA over 11 in Minute Maid Park. Yeah, it was Imagine, like number five, right? Yeah, yeah, with the meltdown. Yeah, because they were stealing his pitches. I mean, Kershaw doesn't blow it by you. If you know his curveball's coming, you can sit on it. Like, this isn't... Yeah. This I is mean, a, the thing with Kershaw is, I mean, it, over the last couple of years, people have started to realize that he tips pitches. He's been tipping pitches his entire career. People just never picked it up. Yeah, and it's even easier to tip it if you have a camera in center fielder. In center field. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so I mean, I do you have anything else to say about the Astros before we move on? No, I think I think I'm ready for the Red Sox. Okay. Uh, now let's uh, start off by talking about Alex Cora. Now Alex Cora was what they're claiming is the mastermind behind the uh, the cast of Stomp helping the uh, Houston Astros. <laughs> 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 so I mean, they they you know he was the bench coach in 2017 uh, right before he took a job with the Boston Red Sox. 
Uh, the Boston Red Sox also had some kind of elaborate science stealing system involving technology. Uh, it was the Apple Watch thing, right? Yeah, they, they had two different ways. So they had the Apple Watch, which they got caught really quick, and yes, then they yeah, had very quickly. And then they had a uh, an attendant in the locker room watching a live feed, analyzing which pitches, what the signs represented, and they were relaying that to the players so that way they could steal it the old-fashioned way. And if they, you had to run on a second, you could relay the sign back to the batter. Now, do you think that uh, – what do you think the uh, punishment for the Red Sox is going to look like? I mean, you know, I guess they, they're they still trying to get their evidence and all yeah, that – uh, I don't know. The, so that's interesting because the GM for 2018 with the Red Sox, he's no longer with the team. So the, uh, right, that was Dombrowski or whatever his name is. Uh, he was like, oh, yeah. And so I, honestly, Alex, I mean, he gave two guys a one-year ban who were aware of the scheme. They have evidence that they showed distaste for it, but looked the other way. So, I mean, what do you, I, I think it's got to be a lifetime ban or at least like a five-year ban or some type of put on the ineligible list with some kind of uh, ability to come back under, you know, parole type situation where you can come in for review after a couple of years. I'm hoping for a lifetime you know, ban. It's just a guy I, that set it up. Yep. Yep. That's, that's what I was about to say, so I'm glad you said it. I mean, Alex Cora has to get – a lifetime ban. He didn't only cheat once. He cheated twice that we know of. Who knows yeah. how many, you know, who, maybe they, the Red, I mean, the, I know the Red Sox didn't too, do too hot this year, but maybe they cheated in 2019. Maybe oh, the Astros were cheating way before that, you know, maybe, you know, who knows? They have to have been. I just, I mean, this is a guy that immediately left the Astros, went to the Red Sox, got caught cheating with the whole apple watch thing and then or uh, not caught with the apple watch was that maybe that was before alex cora but he got caught no, no, up that a, was alex yeah so he got caught cheating again and major league baseball comes in and says stop and then he continues he continues the the process after the you know the warning he's got to get a lifetime ban i i mean if he doesn't Rob Manfred needs to get a lifetime ban. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think Major League Baseball realizes the backlash that's going to come from this. There's a lot of fans that are displeased. It, yeah. If you could cheat and still get to keep your World Series, well, what, I what's going to stop teams from cheating? Talking about vacating the title, and I'm sure you've been hearing that. I mean, that's basically what you just said right now. But I mean, this is in college that you can't force them to vacate the title. Yeah, they should be able to. I mean, if you could put you an asterisk so. on Roger Maris's 61 home runs because people were outraged that they didn't like him for, you know, they didn't like Roger Maris. Beats Babe Ruth. So they come up with some, you know, hamstring way to to say that he shouldn't get the record because they had, he played a few more games in the season. Baseball has the complete authority to lay out whatever type of punishment or change to the record books that they want. They're just not doing it. Yeah, I mean, they basically changed the rep- record books to show that Barry Bonds is not the home run leader. Yeah, right. Which I don't I think. Mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think they did. They, I don't think they put an asterisk by his name, did they? I mean, it kind of depends where you're looking at. I mean, you know, like 
a place like ESPN doesn't really advertise Barry Bonds' name. You know what I mean? It's like they, they should try to avoid it. They should put an asterisk by Barry Bonds' name. I mean, <laughs> the guy was a great hitter, but he cheated. And baseball is supposed to be about integrity. If you're going to ban, yeah, I, you know, Shoeless Joe Jackson for hitting, what, 360 in the World Series, for throwing the World Series, then... I have one, you know, one of the World Series only home runs. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if that guy gets banned for life with no ability to come back in, I don't get it. I'm just at a loss right now. And I think a lot of the owners are and a lot of fans are. And I, I don't think that this is going to be the last that we hear from Major League Baseball on it. I think we're going to hear some secondary punishments once they realize what kind of backlash they're getting. Yeah, I mean, perhaps, you know, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. Now, um, one question I wanted to ask you. Now, I uh, sent this photo to you. It was a, a photo of a tweet. Now, um, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, uh, there's a radio show in San Diego. It's a morning show called Ben and Woods on the uh, Padres uh, flagship uh, FM station. Now, um, they asked the question, uh, this, these are the exact words. Now that the Astros punishment has been revealed, would you take the same punishment for winning one World Series? And they're asking Padres fans. 64% of people said yes. 36% said no. Now, Andrew and I talked a little bit off air about this. I voted no. Andrew voted no. So, Andrew, give me your side. Why is this punishment not worth a single World Series ring? It's, I mean, the punishment isn't worth it. I mean, for one, because of like the neutering of the team going forward. But it's more for me just what the punishment represents that you cheated. And I don't want to. Be if, I've been a fan of the Padres since 1998, since I was eight years old. That's over 20 years now. And if they won a World Series, I don't want to have to look back my entire life and kind of hang my head in shame that my team won a World Series with an unofficial asterisk next to it because they cheated. It's an integrity thing. I've always considered baseball a sport of integrity. It's a gentleman's game. And if the Padres won and it turned out that they cheated, I don't think I'd ever follow the Padres again. I think that I'd be done. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to think that the memories that, you know, that you enjoyed, you know, you, you went with your family, you know, you, a team that you grew up loving, you know, they finally do it. Because, I mean, for Houston, that was their first World Series win. They'd made it to the World Series before, but they got swept by the uh, White Sox. Um, yeah. I mean, the, most recently the White Sox, 2005. So, you know, you, you finally make it back. You know, you're, they s- strip down your entire team, rebuild it. You know, you start getting a bunch of stars. You know, you start to think like, oh, my gosh, like this is our time. And then, you know, the, the Astros win a World Series. And at that point, it's inevitable that, that they have a dynasty, right? I mean, you know, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Jose Altuve, and I understand, you know, some of those guys they traded for, but that's not the point. The point is they built an absolute winner. It's what the Padres are trying to do right now. You know, you sign a couple pieces, you draft a couple pieces, all of a sudden they make some beautiful music, and now, you know, you have, all of a sudden, you know, you go from, you know, having just 
a couple of instruments playing a song to, oh my gosh, now we have a full song. Oh, you made the World Series, you know, for that analogy. Yeah, good so, analogy. You know, all of a sudden everything's working. You know, oh, now two or three years, we've made a couple World Series. Well, we won a ring. We're still making the World Series. Oh, we cheated. It was all a lie. You know, we we, we illegally downloaded the song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we snuck so, in the middle I mean, of night and stole the trophy. Yeah, right. We use LimeWire. <laughs> so, I mean, the point here, I mean, jokes aside, is it'll forever be tainted. Those memories that you have are tainted. You can pretend all you want. You can say, oh, well, at least we won our ring. Did you really? If you ask the other baseball fans, and I mean real baseball fans, if you ask me, nobody won in 2017. Didn't happen. And yeah. in a couple days, we find out what's going to happen to the Red Sox. I can probably say nobody won in 2018 either. Oh, yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, luckily for... Red Sox fans, they, they had those other two World Series, but man, I I, I feel you know if, if there are any Astros fans that happen to be listening here, I feel bad for you guys. You know, my heart goes out to you. I'm sure you're rationalizing it in your head right now on why you should still be able to celebrate the 2017 World Series, and it's going to take you a few years to come to the realization that it was tainted. But yeah, that that sucks. It sucks that you have to go through this. There's no worse feeling as a fan. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly don't wish, you know, evil upon any uh, franchise. And, you know, some people are just like, evil, what are you talking about, dude? This is, this is all a game. And you're right, it is. But, you know, there is certainly some people who are hurt here. You know, I mean, I'd be devastated if one of my teams cheated. It would be... You know, like everything you, you, you were hoping for and you were cheering for was essentially a lie. But, you know, I mean, if you can find a way to, you know, enjoy that victory, Astros fans, more power to you. You know, hey, you know, I guess enjoy it. You know, yeah. I mean, in all fairness, it'll probably be a while until you guys win another World Series. You know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be very hard to get back there. And trust me, from now on, Every time you make it to a World Series or you win a World Series, whether it's next year, whether it's 50 years, people are always going to wonder. Trust me. It, it'll always be in the back of people's minds. I, you, you can't live this one down. Oh, no. They, have, you, have you been to the Astros subreddit recently? <laughs> I went there yesterday. Yeah, everyone. I want, was, was it two days ago that the uh, original punishment? It was yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, so. so if yeah, you I look, went on it. If you look at some of their top posts, they, they're in full-on delusion mode. The top post is maybe Altuve didn't cheat. And you have people trying to do deep dives, going through every game to try to come up with reasons why their top players didn't cheat. It's over, Astros fans. Your players cheated. Major League Baseball yeah. found evidence. Just accept it. Altuve cheated. Yeah. He's a cheater. Uh, Verlander cheated. They're, they're all cheaters. Yeah, it's... I was expecting like the subreddit to be full of like people like, wow, I'm so hurt. You know, like this is me burning my Astros Jersey. You know, that's, that's what I expected. I mean, people burn their jerseys cause you know, LeBron or 
you know, Kevin Durant leaves, but people won't <laughs> burn their yeah. jerseys for cheating. But the point is, uh, yeah, I expected a lot more people to be angry about it. And I'm sure Astro Sense will be angry. It just hasn't happened yet. I think at this point, they're just kind of in that stage where it's like it hasn't sunk in. And it probably won't sink in for, like you said, a couple years. In a couple years, when, you know, your farm system's trash, you lost all your star players because nobody wants to stay on the Astros because now it's tainted. Yeah. That's when it's going to set in. Yeah, once, once that memory of the World Series starts to fade and they start to realize that no one else respects it. I mean, I mean, this is all harsh language, but I mean, they they cheated, and it sucks for the fans. But I mean, I don't know. I hope if I, if the Padres cheat and they win the World Series, I'll be the first one out there offering to burn my jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, as long as it's not a brown jersey, we're good. Yeah, no, I got some, I got some old uh, blue jerseys. I'm gonna burn. I'll keep the brown. <laughs> I have the 2004 alternative jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it won't be it won't be the you know the the first you know the first team the sexy bro <laughs> all right let's go ahead and uh, dive to our next topic unless you uh you have any closing thoughts on either the red sox or the astros before we move on no no that's no yeah i i think we beat the, uh, the dead horse <laughs> yeah and i mean this is a story that's all over the place. I mean, you, you're not going to be able to escape it probably for the next couple of years. It'll be deflate gate all over again. Oh, yeah. So, times times 10. Yeah, probably. So, all right. Uh, now, let's get to what we were going. Actually, you know what? Before we get to our like last big topic of the show, let's play our uh, weekly game. Okay? So, um Today's obscure Padre, Andrew. Are you ready for it? Yeah, let's hear it. All right, let me uh, pull it up here. Okay, so this San Diego Padre was a righty batter, so that's I guess your biggest hint. <laughs> uh, he was a one-time All-Star. Okay, that that was for his career. Uh, he was a Padre for one season. All right, so in 420 at-bats, he had 96 hits, 19 doubles, four home runs, and a, a batting average of 229. Who was that Padre? Hmm. Let me know if you need me to repeat anything. So 96 hits, 19 doubles, four home runs. Can I get one more hint? Besides the fact that he's a righty and was a one-time All-Star? <laughs> yeah, one-time All-Star, righty. Uh, played one season with the Padres. Uh, let me see. Um, okay, he's 41 years old as of today. So I don't know if maybe that helps because now you can maybe do a little bit of math in your head. Yeah, I can do some math. Uh, let me think. I'm going to guess... You know, I'll give you one more hit. Uh, he did not play in the last decade. So maybe that'll help. So, you know, I gave you the age. He didn't play at all last decade. So that should help. All right. So Pretty 96 hits. 19. So, yeah, <laughs> I know, right? One-time All-Star. Um, 
Gosh, you better. I'm gonna guess uh, Marcus Giles. Yep. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> you got it. Dude, that's awesome. threw right. me off guard so much that I almost broke the hotel chair. <laughs> I'm like reclining back on a hotel chair right now, and I went back and it almost snapped. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. I, what made you guess Marcus Giles? Did you look it up? No, I just remember Brian Giles. Are you the Houston Astros? Yeah, right? No, I just remember Brian Giles' uh, brother didn't have a good season with us. And I was really hyped for him as a Padre fan, and then he sucked. So <laughs> that I mean, was. He really only had one good season. Oh, no, he had two. He had two where he bet over 300. And those are two foolish seasons. 2003 was a full season. That was the year he was an all star. 2004, he had 379 at bats. But I mean, you know. So, yeah. All right. And I'm just got. Yeah, no, I was pulling up actually my question for you. Okay. Which is, uh, I have a not. He's not an obscure Padre. I think you'll. I think you'll know this one. He played three years right. for the Padres. His stats with the Padres: he had a 3.14 batting average, a 3.77 on base percentage, 8.15 OPS. He hit 32 home runs, had 186 RBIs, 91 doubles, over three years. Ooh. He was an All-Star with the Padres. Was an all-star with Padres over three years. Um, what decade? That would be the 2000 to 2010. 2000 or 2010. I feel like I'm gonna beat myself up when I don't get it. Was it? Uh, I don't think it's not Khalil Green. He never made an All Star game. Um, no, he hit three fourteen for three years. Okay. Uh, I I don't know, man. I I don't know. I'm not good at these kind of games. <laughs> no, you're good. Mark Loretta. Mark Loretta. He was one of my favorite podcasts. They should have got that. <laughs> no, you couldn't even talk about him just earlier well, in the I, podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. I thought he was. I thought he was a Padre way longer than three years. I know, right? What are the only Padres to ever have 200 hits in a season, right? Yep, exactly. That I mean, that, that would have been all you needed to say right there. It would have been like, oh, Mark Loretta. I mean, not too many <laughs> Padres have 200 hits in a season. I know, right? <laughs> That'd be interesting to know. How many Padres have hit for 200 hits in a season not named, you know, Tony Gwynn? Am I looking it up? It might only – I'm, I'm going to guess it's only – Maybe Dave Winfield. Yeah, uh, I'm going to look that one up and see if I can find it. Did Kevin Eddy hit for 200 hits that MVP year? No, it's only Mark Loretta. Everyone else is Tony Gwynn. Okay, wow, there you go. All right. You learned something today, folks, because, I mean, there's no way anybody else guessed that. <laughs> you know, I mean, everyone would have guessed Tony Gwynn. But, I mean, yeah, and Mark Loretta, I knew. Because right. I, I think I was at the stadium when he got it. Now, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind for next time I give you a, a question. What I should do every week is just ask you a more obscure way to have an answer be Mark Loretta. <laughs> <laughs> just find his FIP in, like, Little League. <laughs> yeah. He played for his the Cubs. FIP in Little League was uh, .0 or... 
Yeah, point zero three eight. He was dominant. He struck out right, right. Cody Magoon six times. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and dive to our last uh, topic of the night. Now, uh, in our last episode, we talked about the Padres All-Decade team in the 2010s. And Andrew and I both realized that, yowza, it was not a good decade for the Padres or Padres fans. But, uh, were you going to say something? No, I said definitely not. <laughs> definitely not a good decade. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Definitely not, no. So, we wanted to do something, um, you know, uh, almost the complete opposite end of the spectrum. That's uh, maybe not as depressing. So, uh, instead of trying to make a good team and put lipstick on a pig, let's talk about the two greatest Padres teams of all time. And you can make the argument that one of these teams was one of the better baseball teams ever. Let's compare the two uh, Padres World Series teams. Andrew, do you want to let our listeners know, or at least remind them, what two years those were? Yeah, that would be the 1984 San Diego Padres and the 1998 San Diego Padres. Both very, very talented teams. But in our opinion... Who was, you know, arguably more talented? Uh, I mean, even though I don't think there's going to be a bad answer here. Both, I, before we started, I was heavily leaning, like, oh, 98 Padres, no doubt about it. But now that I've gotten to do, you know, Andrew and I talked a little bit more off air, I, it's a little closer than I thought. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Okay, uh, Andrew, where should we start? Maybe should we we just gonna go position by position? Yeah, let's go position by position. So I guess we can uh, start with catcher and work our way down. Uh yeah, no, works for me. All so right. let's start with eighty four. Yeah. yeah, eighty four with uh, Terry Kennedy. He came in with a two forty batting average, two eighty four on base, three fifty three slugging. Uh, his trip, you know, he had fourteen home runs, fifty seven RBIs. He was more of a defense first catcher. And then, uh, you know, backing up, who you remind me of, because I, I forgot he actually played for the Padres in 1984, was uh, Bruce Bochy. You know, he'll be relevant later. Yeah, he'll be relevant in just a second. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, and then, uh, you know, for the Padres in 1988, you had uh, Carlos Hernandez, who uh, had nine home runs, 15 doubles, 52 RBIs, hit with a 262 batting average. And, uh, you know, just looking at those stats, you know, right away, they're almost – you know, identical. You have yeah, uh, Carlos Hernandez with the 674 uh, OPS. And for those that aren't that familiar, OPS is your on-base plus slugging. And then Terry Kennedy with the 637 OPS. And they both were, you know, defensive first catchers. So, so just, who are you yeah. taking there? Who am I taking there? I'm going to take Terry, uh, Terry Kennedy. He had uh, more power. He had 14 home runs. He had 16 doubles. Uh, he had, uh, you know, more RBIs, runs batted in. His OPS was a little bit lower, but, you know, OPS at the time was lower across the league in the 80s. There weren't as many home runs hit. So having a catcher with good defense, be able to hit 14 home runs, you know, that was a commodity back in the day. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, I guess uh, round one goes to the uh, 84 Padres. Yeah, definitely. And then okay. up next... First- yeah, first base, right? Yep. 
So first base, you have 1984 Padres with Steve Garvey, who was, uh, you know, the great Dodger, had some great years with the Padres, is controversially in the Padres Hall of Fame, as we talked a little <laughs> bit last episode. Well, uh, this year is probably, you know, the year of 84, not this year as in uh, 2020. Uh, that's probably the reason he made the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Steve Garvey that year, he uh, made the all-star team, hit 284 with eight home runs, 86 RBIs, 27 doubles, 175 hits, and a 680 OPS. A very Eric Hosmer type line. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for the Padres in 1998, they had Wally Joyner, who had hit 298 with a 370 on, uh, on base percentage. 824 OPS. He had 12 home runs, 80 RBIs, and 30 doubles. I think that one. Uh, I know. I know Garvey was a great situational player, as my dad would always say, and played some good yeah, defense. Your dad's a big Garvey fan, right? Huge, huge Garvey fan. His, his claim to fame is that he went to the bathroom in the same stall next to Steve Garvey one time. So uh, there's worse people to go to a bathroom next to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I mean, sorry, Dad. I'm gonna have to give this one to Wally Joyner. I don't know about you. That's I mean that's a tough one for the simple fact of the one home run was arguably the biggest home run in Padres history besides when Tony Gwynn who we'll talk about later hit that home run in the 98 World Series which gave the Padres their only World Series lead. So that's really tough but I'm with you. I think I have to lean a little bit more toward Wally Joyner. Than I do Steve Garvey, but I mean that home run alone makes it close. Yeah, and that's not. Wally Joyner played a long time with the Angels, didn't he? Uh yes, yes, I believe so. Yeah, so hopefully not too much bias there. <laughs> just kidding. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. All I right. Just, I was very close to picking Steve Garvey, so. It, it, it it's more of a toss-up than you'd think, because I, I feel like there's a lot more intangibles to Steve Garvey than lets on. You know, he was a proven winner with the Dodgers. Probably brought a lot to that clubhouse that isn't being talked about here. You know, you can't just look at it totally on stats because as we're going to go through, a lot of the Padres in 1984 didn't have the great hitting numbers, but they still made it to the World Series. So there was something going on with that team that can't exactly be defined by the, you know, your triple slash line or your wind above replacement or your batting average. They were finding ways to win games. Well, I mean, that's the nice part about baseball. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that 1984 team just couldn't hit, but they still won 92 games. They still beat the Cubs. They still went to the World Series and got, unfortunately, steamrolled by an all-time great Tigers team. But, you know, very comparable to the 1998 Padres with the all-time great right. Yankees team. So I, I guess uh, yeah, let's uh, move on to second base. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'll start there. And you have Alan Wiggins. Uh, played second base for the Padres in 1984, who uh, had 19 doubles, seven triples, three home runs, 34 RBIs, but he scored 106 runs. He walked 75 Ooh. times, hit 258 with a 342 on base percentage, but he had 70 stolen bases. So that, that's amazing. And we'll compare that to uh, Kilbil Veras, who played a very similar role with the Padres, very similar numbers. Hit 267 with a 373 on base percentage, walked 84 times, had 24 doubles, two triples, six home runs, and had 24 stolen bases. 
So, you know, off the top of my head, I'm going to give this one to Alan Wiggins with the 70 stolen bases, 106 runs. It sounds like that guy just figured out ways to score runs and probably won a lot of games to the Padres. Yeah, I mean, it was a different style of baseball back then. I mean, anytime you can uh, pull that off, I mean, what uh, you said, uh, how many stolen bases? 70. Yeah, okay. I did hear correctly. I mean, you can't, especially today. I mean, you know, can you imagine people in this day and age stealing 70 bases? You know, yes. so that's 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 awesome. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of small ball, and I mean, that's the definition of it right there. I mean, I understand that nowadays, you know, with all the analytics, they just don't think it's as worth it to steal bases or bunt these days. But I like that style of baseball. Yeah, I feel like... Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to a stat, the Sabermetrics conference in Phoenix in March, so I wonder if there's going to be any information on this. But I feel like there's something about stolen bases that isn't represented in the stat line as far as like your percentage of chances. To, so why? So the reason that they don't like stolen bases in Sabermetrics is that let's say you have Alan Wiggins who stole 70 bases, so he goes from first to second, but he was caught 21 times. So that was 21 times he was taken off the bases with a chance to score a run. So they're saying that his on-base percentage was effectively reduced by, you know, 20% in those situations, reducing his team's chance to score a run. But when you think about it, when you're stealing a base, there's something that it does to the pitcher. And I feel like there's a higher percentage of chance than normally just going from first to second on like a single or a walk. Once the player steals a base, there's something that changes in the momentum of the game. And I, I feel like that's something that isn't, really being talked about in sabermetrics that should be like what are the odds that someone scores a run from taking first to second on a stolen base besides taking first to second on a walk and i hope that's something that's explored in the future yeah no I, i'm very into sabermetrics and i hope you guys are as well i mean it's it's we've said it so many times in the show it's, it's the future of baseball but there's certainly some things that you definitely always have to keep old school. For instance, I mean, you know, you can never fully put into words the pressure that you put on a pitcher when you have somebody fast who, you know, controls the game with their legs on first base. You know what I mean? You, you, you just can't ever put that into words or any kind of perspective. So, you know, there's some things that you just, have to keep in the game, you know, some old school mentalities that have to stick around. For instance, bunting. People don't bunt these days. I, I think there's a very, you know, sometimes it's okay to bunt for somebody else besides your pitcher. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's situational baseball. So it's not always about maximizing runs over across a whole season, which, you know, might win you a few more games here and there. But sometimes you have to take it into the context of a game itself and what the odds are of increasing the win for that game. And I know that there's like WPA, there's a you know, win probability added and stuff like that. But all these, you know, Cybermetrics is still a new and evolving system. It's not something like mathematics, which has been built upon for thousands of years. It, it hasn't fully explained the all the intangibles and the subtle things about baseball. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, let's uh, go ahead and move on. Uh, Mr. Wiggins won that round. Yep, so that's two for the 1984 team and one for the 1998 team. 
And let's move on to shortstop with Gary Templeton for the 1984 Padres and Chris Gomez for the 1998 Padres. Uh, Another very comparable stat line. You have uh, Gary Templeton with 19 doubles, three triples, two home runs, 35 RBIs, a 258 average, and a 633 OPS. Uh, Gary Templeton was a defensive first fielder. So most of his value was, um, you know, from his defense on shortstop, where he was 1.1 wins above uh, replacement on defense. For the 1998 Padres with Chris Gomez, you had someone with 32 doubles, three triples, four home runs. He had a 267 average with a 346 on base and a 725 OPS. His defense was pretty good. And, not quite Gary Templeton. So in my mind, I'm going to give that one to Gary Templeton. Hello? Oops, sorry. I... Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, Gary Templeton. <laughs> I had a full-on <laughs> conversation with myself for like 20 seconds there. sorry i was muted so yeah no i agree i mean uh gary templeton i think was the uh, better the uh, of the picks there plus i mean he ended up uh bringing something a a very very key player in a trade right yep uh well yeah i mean i know the first trade that he was involved in he was uh he was involved in a key trade where Ozzie Smith went to St. Louis and Gary Templeton, I believe, came to the Padres, right? Yep. But that was before uh, Ozzie Smith was really Ozzie Smith. Yeah, that was when Ozzie Smith couldn't hit. Yeah, right. That's when he was just Ozzie. Yep. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't the Wizard of Oz quite yet. He wasn't doing backflips running at the shortstop. He did do backflips as a Padre, though, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. They I'm just didn't sure put up photos of him. Yeah, they just didn't put it on TV like they did with the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. It was also earlier. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Gary Templeton, for sure. All right, so we got three to one for the 1984 Padres. And I think this is where it's going to start shifting pretty quickly uh, in favor of the 1998 Padres, just in my mind. We're going to move to the outfield, or third base first, where you have uh, Greg Nettles. Uh, versus Kem Caminetti. So Greg Nettles was in his age 39 season. He, you know, he had a great career, really underrated. Uh, definitely at the end of his career here, he played in 124 games, had 90 hits, 11 doubles, 20 home runs, 65 RBIs, hit 228 with the 340 on base and a 736 OPS um, or 742 OPS. He had a you know great defense. Was definitely an above average player. But then you look at Kem Caminetti, who had played 131 games, had 29 doubles, 29 home runs, 82 RBIs, hit 252 with a 350 on base and an 862 OPS, and uh, also played great defense. So I think in my mind, that's easy. I'm going to give that one to Kem Caminetti. Yeah, I mean, absolutely no contest. I mean, Kem Caminetti... I mean, overall, as a Padre, only Padre to ever win an MVP, surprisingly. Uh, I mean, you know, three-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, career war 33.5. I mean, you just have to give it to Ken Cabinetti. And, I mean, his 98 season was great, as you said. So, Yeah. 
Well, that, great it, for his thing. I mean, he only batted 252, but I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, he's still you know 32% above league average. Had that 132 oh, OPS yeah. plus. And, you know, and Greg Nettles, yeah, he was 39, and was definitely <laughs> at you know, uh, you know. But it is. Yeah, but he had you know, not to slight Greg Nettles, he was worth 68 wins above replacement for his career. Had 390 home runs. Was one of the better third basemen to ever play the game. Arguably should be in the Hall of Fame, but was not a Hall of Fame caliber player with the Padres that year. Absolutely not. No, and so let's move on to the outfield. So just to recap right there, we got three for the 1984 Padres, and we have two for the 1998 Padres. And without further ado, the 1984 Padres had Carmelo Martinez in left field. Who had 28 doubles, 13 home runs, 66 RBIs, hit three, or hit 250 with a 736 OPS. And then with the 1998 Padres in left field, you had Greg Vaughn, who had 28 doubles, four triples, an all-time leading 50 home runs with the Padres, 119 RBIs, hit 272 with a 960 OPS, and finished fourth in MVP voting. That's not even a close contest for me. I'm going to give that one to Greg Vaughn. Yeah, I mean, best Padres power hitter, you know, for a single season of all time. Only Padre to ever hit 50 home runs in a single season, let alone the fact that he did it uh, in grand fashion, considering it was the last game of the season. So, I mean, you got to give it to Greg Vaughn. I mean, you know, that's amazing. 50 home runs. Oh, yeah, I know. Did it in the, what were you saying, the last uh, at bat of the season for him? I, yeah, I have a book called Baseball in San Diego, and I'm pretty darn sure it talks about that he did it on the last at bat of the season. I know for sure it was the last game, but I'm pretty yeah, sure definitely. I'm pretty sure that is true as well. All right, so moving on next to center field, 1984 Padres. Kevin McReynolds had 26 doubles, 20 home runs, 75 RBIs, hit 278 with a 782 OPS, with a 118 OPS plus, so 18% above league average. For the 1998 Padres, you had Steve Finley, who had 40 doubles, six triples, 14 home runs, 12 stolen bases, hit 249 with a 702 OPS and a 90 OPS plus. Uh, I know Steve Finley played great defense, but I'm going to have to give this one to Kevin McReynolds. His overall stats were much better. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're just saying off air that that was not a Steve Finley's uh, best offense or best year as a Padre. No, yeah. Steve Finley definitely had a better career with the Padres than Kevin McReynolds did, but this was by far <laughs> Steve Finley's worst year with the Padres. Yeah, so, I mean, overall, it's it's kind of hard to dispute. All right. So, last but not least for the fielders for the Padres, you had Tony Gwynn in 1984 and Tony Gwynn in 1998. <laughs> Who? And, yeah, I don't know who that is. I don't think he... Yeah. I don't think he really made his name with the Padres. So <laughs> the 1984, yeah, right. Uh, I, maybe some of the viewers will know who it is. I'm not sure. 1984, Tony Gwynn had 88 runs, 213 hits, 21 doubles, 10 triples, five home runs, 71 RBIs, 33 stolen bases. He walked 59 times, struck out 23 times with a 351 batting average, a 410 on base. 853 OPS plus or 853 OPS and was 41% above league average with a 141 OPS plus 1998 version of Tony Gwynn played in 127 games. He was often on injured all year, 
Had 148 hits, 35 doubles, 16 home runs, 69 RBIs. Hit 321 with a 364 on base percentage, a 501 slugging, and a 133 OPS plus. So uh, I think that's pretty clear that the 1984 Tony Gwynn had a much better season than the 1998 Tony Gwynn. Uh, yeah, he did. I mean, he was just a more overall player back then. You know, he was he was younger, he was faster. Um, but you know, then again, in 1998, he gave the Padres their only World Series lead against the New York Yankees, hitting a home run into the uh, second deck of uh, Yankee Stadium. So, yeah. you know, there's certainly some great moments in 1998, you know, regardless of the injuries. Oh, yeah, totally. Even a uh, 38-year-old Tony Gwynn is still one of the best hitters in baseball and came oh, yeah, through. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if Tony Gwynn was around today he'd, and still playing somehow, he'd still be one of the best hitters in baseball. He'd still find a way to hit 300. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, the guy was the guy was a machine. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so let's move on to the pitchers. Do you want to go through the whole rotation, or should we just go for the aces? I think the way I think what we should just do is maybe just overall staff instead of going you know pitcher by pitcher. I just maybe just go for the staff overall, so including you know the starting pitcher, the bullpen. Yeah. So for the so the overall ERA for the 1984 Padres. They had a 3.48 staff ERA. Uh, they were anchored by Eric Show, who uh, I'll just name his stats and leave the rest to go. Eric Show went 15-9 with a 3.4 ERA, pitched 206 innings, had three complete games and a shutout. And so, you know, that's a pretty good staff. The 1998 Padres, though, and you have to keep in mind they're playing in the steroid era. So the ERAs aren't exactly a one-to-one ratio. 1984 was a much more pitcher-friendly environment. The 1984, 1998 Padres had a 3.63 ERA as a staff, and they're anchored by Kevin Brown, who had arguably the best starting pitching season of a Padre of all time. He went 18-7 and with a 2.38 ERA, pitched 35 games, had seven complete games, three shutouts, pitched 257 innings with 257 strikeouts, a 5-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this one to the 1998 Padres. I was going to be disappointed if you went in the other direction. I mean, the re- I think one of the biggest reasons you have to give it to the 98 Padres was that bullpen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, Goose Gossage played for the 1984 Padres, and he's one of the all-time great closers. But you had Pete but, Trevor mean, Hoffman. Not, yeah, exactly. He's not Trevor Hoffman good. Yeah, Trevor Hoffman with his 148 ERA, 53 saves, 73 innings, uh, 86 strikeouts. That was just, you know, that was his best season. He had a 265 OPS plus. That means he was 2.65, but 2.65 times better than league average in ERA. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, what he did was miraculous. I mean, just over his career. So yeah. I mean, yeah, they they had a bunch of really really good pitchers that year. I mean, uh, Mark Langston had a good year. Yeah, uh, Donnie uh, Wall had a great year. Uh, Dan Maselli had a great year. You know, it's just a, it was a great it was a great team for the Padres, and definitely their best team that they've ever had in their in their franchise, in my mind. Ashby had I, a good year too. Yeah, Ash, Ashby had a good year. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ashby went seventeen and nine with a three three four ERA. Wonderful year. Yep. So I mean, overall, I mean, I 
we what were what was the final numbers? I mean, ninety-eight, one. Yeah, so so it was uh it was actually six to three in nineteen ninety in nineteen eighty four with uh, position by position. And really, yeah, because you had uh so you had Tony Gwynn. Oh, yeah, yeah, we were, yeah. So but the rotation was very clearly the nineteen ninety eight Padres. So I mean, if we give them the five starters, you know, I, I think we're we're gonna be looking at a uh, you know an eight to seven type type situation yeah so i guess uh, in reality it was probably maybe closer to a tie than we would have thought just because like you said if we would have gone you know pitching strictly pitching who knows yeah i mean the 1998 padres had like a garrett cole type pitcher at the top of the rotation with kevin brown yep i mean i remember seeing like all the photos of like uh, kevin brown how they used to every time we got a strikeout they had like a k to his name kind of did it with uh, jake peavy and I yep. remember, like, uh, you know, seeing all those photos. I mean, you know, it was crazy how many strikeouts he used to get. Yeah, he was he was ahead of his time. He was a dominant pitcher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because especially in the era in which he was playing, like you said, it was the steroid era. So, you know, it was miraculous that he was able to do what he did back in those days. Yeah. You know, when all the inflated numbers. Another guy that, if he was a little bit nicer to the media, should, would probably be in the Hall of Fame right now. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a long list of those guys. Yeah, topped by Kurt Schilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now he kind of wants everyone to... Uh, uh, he wants everyone's votes now, right? Yeah, I mean, you probably shouldn't wish death on everyone if you're trying to get in the Hall of Fame. Good guy, Kurt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that should be a meme. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, now, uh, one more thing that we talked about off-air that uh, I kind of want to bring up right now is uh, let's real quick talk about the managers of both of those teams. Now, that's a really fun question to think about. Bruce Bochy or Dick Williams? One of them is in the Hall of Fame. The other is sure to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, uh, Dick Williams was the manager... Of the Oakland Athletics, you said uh, during the seventies. Uh, yep, he was the won manager of the. Uh-huh. Yep, he won two World Series in three years with the Athletics from 1971 to 1973. That was that, uh, you know, the great Athletics team that had uh, Reggie Jackson. They were beating the Yankees. He was also the manager of the Boston Red Sox team in 1967 that won the AL pennant. Now, and uh, that he would go on to also win the pennant with the Padres. So he had four pennants, two World Series titles. And then you, Which, like you said, not bad, not bad. Great career. Uh, you know, he had a 520 winning percentage for his whole career, won 1500 games as a manager. Really wonderful. You know, there, there's no wrong pick here, but then you go to Bruce Bochy who won four pennants and three world series. And as you said, off air, he won 75% of all the world series he went to. So there you go. yeah, I was leaning towards Dick Williams just because he did it with different teams. But I mean, once you put it that way, just to be able to get there and dominate like that, I mean, you definitely swung my vote. I'm, I'm voting Bruce Bochy. I think you have to, especially when you think about the fact that uh, the um, the three World Series that Bruce Bochy won, they were wild card teams. Yeah, yeah. And he managed that team really well in the postseason and got him there and won it. To win three World Series in five years, no losses, that, that's insane. That's a great manager. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I mean, Bruce Bochy was truly when it comes when his career ends, if it, you know, I, I know he's taking a year off, maybe his career, he's going to hang him up or maybe he'll go back to managing. But regardless, when it's all said and done, he will go down as one of the best managers of all time. He will be a Hall of Famer. Uh, I mean, it, it's probably going to be the giant Padres fans that so don't, you know, be disappointed. I know there's a lot of Padres fans holding out hope. But uh, yeah, know, unless he, he comes back to the Padres and wins, uh, you know, a couple World Series here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He'd have to come over yeah. and win three World Series in five years and hang it up. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know. Nah, I mean, I, I was going to say, I feel like even if you won like two in like three years and then he retired, there's a chance he might still pick the Padres. But no, he'll pick the Giants still. Yeah, he'll pick the Giants. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Bruce Bochy. You, you got to pick him. No disrespect to Dick Williams. I mean, I would take either in a heartbeat, especially over, you know, Jace Tingler. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Maybe right. Jace Tingler will, will win three World Series with the Padres, and we won't have this hey, argument. He, hey, <laughs> hey, I've been wrong before. So, you know, I will be a man and own up to it if that is the case and you know what i hope that's the case i want him to win three world series hopefully he does you too definitely beats andy green from day one though so i think we can agree on that well the real question is will they give jace tingler the chance i mean you know will they run him out of town immediately if he you know doesn't bring you know garner the results they're hoping for he's tied to preller so preller's gone he's gone that's my mind yeah probably Probably. I mean, I, I know that's his guy. So I guess, you know, time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell. Um, all right. So do we have any uh, closing statements on uh, anything we've covered? So I know we're, we're good on the Astros and Red Sox. Uh, anything about the uh, which World Series team was better? Yeah, uh, and I think that was uh, pretty clearly 1998 Padres. I mean, uh, one of the best ways that you can look at a team is their, you know, their win differential. That's how many more runs you score than you allow. Uh, the 1998 Padres scored 749 runs and allowed 635. So that's 114 more runs that they scored than they allowed. The 1984 Padres scored 686 runs. And they allowed 634. That is 52. So, you know, the 1998 Padres, in my mind, were much more dominant. Both are great teams. I mean, and you have to look at the times. So there's a good argument to go either way. But... I really think that 1998 Padres team really stood out. Yeah, I mean, they were both great teams. I mean, they were both magnificent teams. But um, I, I just think that with all things considered, like you said, I mean, the history of the time in which baseball was going through at that moment, you know, you think about the the players they had, that, that uh, pitching staff, it just – the 98 Padres were just, I, I think, overall the better team. But, I mean, both absolutely amazing teams in their own, you know, respectful ways. Um, all right. Well, I think that's just about going to do it out of us for the week. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Padres Mission Podcast. And we hope that you enjoyed the topics. Now, if you guys have anything you want us to talk about uh, going up to spring training, I know we'll probably start getting a little, little bit more into, you know, next season now that we're getting real, real close to uh, spring training here. I mean, I think we have like, what, 30-ish days 
until uh, pitches and catches report a little over 30 days yeah yes i mean it's getting exciting we're about to get some real baseball again i know i i just want to see i just want to see highlights of mackenzie gore pitching a bullpen like just give me that that's all oh, yeah. need right now get I, richards yeah. throwing yeah, a bullpen it, session even though i'm just buying nachos at the stand i'll take it <laughs> oh, guys, give me look, something. here's fernando tatis Chewy hubba bubba. Andrew's yeah. like, oh my god. <laughs> he likes the same brand of bubblegum I do. <laughs> yeah. I like the Bazooka Joe comics too. <laughs> that was the best part about like little league games. Like uh my parents oh. would give me like a dollar, like three dollars after the game, and you get to go to the snack bar. Oh yeah, that was the best. Yep. I'd get like Starburst before every game. I couldn't I couldn't do I couldn't do bubblegum. It was always Starburst. Starburst before every game. That's hilarious. That's the reason you you are batting 600, right? Yeah, totally. That was it. Was all the Starburst throwing nothing but uh throwing nothing, nothing but uh, no hitters. Yep, that 65 mile an hour gas. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, that's gonna do it out of Andrew and I. If you guys are interested in sponsoring our show, Podcast at gmail.com. That's also a great email to give us some feedback. Also, we're still a pretty new podcast. Tell your friends, tell your mother, tell your brother, tell everybody. Post it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever social media uh, platform you use. Please let everybody know about our podcast. We want to do whatever we can to get our podcast out there. Uh, The more people that listen, the more feedback we get, the better we can make the show. So uh, thank you guys in advance for taking the time to do that. Um, Also... Give us a review on um, Apple or what is it? Apple Music now. That's what they call it, right? I was going to say iTunes. <laughs> yeah, yep, they made the switch. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Apple Music, go ahead and uh, review us. Uh, we'd appreciate a five-star review. If we've earned a five-star review, hey, give it to us. If we've earned a one-star review, let us know. What are we doing wrong? Andrew yep. and I will not be angry for hearing constructive criticism, right? Yep, definitely not. Just wait to give that one-star review until after you hear back from us, though. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Or maybe you won't hear back from us, you know. <laughs> yeah, air right. punch, air punch, air punch. Yeah, forget this guy. He gave us one star. I don't want to hear from him. <laughs> yeah. Yo, he's going to sleep with the fishes. Get him, Big Tony. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, for real, that's going to do it out of us this time, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We hope that you guys enjoy your evening. And, uh, yeah, go Padres. Go Padres.